0: Welcome to Give Em Hell, Brigham. Jeff, tomorrow is not only draft day. It is halfway through this godforsaken offseason. Golly, offseason does suck. You know, this is a BYU podcast. And, like, there's something to talk about, BYU-related, all year round. But isn't it funny how, like, even in the heart of basketball season, you're still in the offseason? Yes. Well, it's. I mean, it's... it's whatever your primary sport is like, that's well, actually it's kind of worse. Cause even, I feel like people who are way in most people who are way into college basketball, which those numbers are waning thanks to referees. Um, mm-hmm. also love, like, it's like if college basketball is their favorite sport, basketball is a 10 football is like a seven or an eight. Whereas if football is your sport, football is a 10 and basketball caps out like a five max. Yeah, Like it's yeah. not, I, I, what I have noticed is, and maybe this doesn't apply to the BYU fan base as much as I think it does, uh, but B- football fans, they like to gamble. And even if they don't like gambling, they do like sport, like betting lines and those stories that come with it. And it seems like that's kind of like, okay, so you're a college football fan, you like college basketball when you get to gamble. So if you happen to be near a casino, on a random January Saturday, then sure, college basketball is great. It's a game to bet on. But you'll go out of your way to play some bets for March Madness because then there's a lot of games and it's fun. But when the gambling side of it is gone, you don't really care anymore because college basketball kind of sucks. I think that just means you're a degenerate. Well, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But uh, that's how I am. Unless I can gamble on it or it's a top 25 matchup with my team right like so really if is not in the top 25 there's not any college basketball games that i care to like go out of my way to watch yeah i mean unless i have money on it and it's something fun yeah the only uh the only like i watched a couple of gonzaga games outside like when they played you know at their non-conference schedule and they're playing top teams at the beginning of the season you know i kind of i watched some of those but it's um there's, you know, it's just not the same, right? Like it's Mart. It it, it's just like I could watch any football, random football. I mean, look, I one point in time was a conference USA season ticket holder. That mm-hmm. is a testament to my ability to watch ridiculously random football games, right? Like it's you give me some, you know, sunbelt. Louisiana Monroe versus Georgia Southern on a Wednesday afternoon at four 27 PM kickoff. Like I'm all about that. I will yeah, rearrange that. my day to watch it because that is the only game on that day. Right. But the basketball, nah, not happening. No, it just isn't there. And I don't know why, but it's kind of that way with the NBA for me now. Like, uh, tonight I could have watched the jazz play. I'm a big jazz fan. Or I could have done what I did and watched a draft day and learn why Sonny Weaver Jr. still loves Vontae Mack, no matter Vontae Mac, no matter what, and why Bo Callahan is a liar and he sucks. And the Seattle Seahawks are gonna wish that they didn't take him at six. The you know, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Is that who's oh, man, the who's it. the main dude on that movie? Kevin Costner. That's right, Kevin Costner. Yeah, I I watch it every draft day, Eve. Um, I love the NFL draft. It's one of my favorite things. Like, whether there's a BYU tie or not, the NFL draft is one of my favorite things. It is so fun to me. And I don't even have an NFL team. Like, I will now. I'm going to be a Jets fan, and I'm going to feel good about it. But I love the draft. There's something about it that's just cool. The – I. I don't really like, like, I don't know. The draft is like fine, but it's some of it. It's like when they know, okay, it's like, oh, this is happening. Like, we know Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jaguar. We know Zach Wilson is going to be a Jet. But then it's like, they set, like, oh, you have 15 minutes to make your pick in the first round. And then it's like, okay, you're going to talk about them forever. Mm-hmm. And then. Like we know, it's they're gonna stretch out to take the full fifteen minutes, and there's not like a throw on the clock, boom, done. Even though everybody knows, like, right? It's yeah, um, it's dumb. It's made for TV. I mean, that's yeah. So it's, I mean, and it's anything that's like overproduced like that is a little different. Right. But it's right. it is what it is. But I I am generally genuinely excited for the draft tomorrow and just seeing everything that's going on. Mostly not even. Well, I'm excited because of Zach Wilson, right? Like it's, I do feel bad because, you know, Lisa Wilson was putting so much effort into redoing their house and getting ready to host a big old draft day thing because obviously that's a huge freaking deal, right? Like who could ever dream of your kid being the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. And like, you know, that's, you know, having all of that and hosting all those people and apparently their basement was still very, uh, it's very pro Utah, very red. And they needed to yeah. get blued up a little bit. And so they're in the process of doing that. And then, you know, Zach, they're going out to New York, which is awesome for them. Uh, so I feel Cleveland. As, or Cleveland. less cool. Like it used to always be in New York. Now they moved the draft around and the gear that Zach gets to go, it's in effing Cleveland. I mean, maybe Zach can hang out with Baker Mayfield. That'd be kind of cool. If, you know, <laughs> know that would be kind of cool. But the, well, so let me tell you, let me tell you who Zach's not hanging out with is jeff grimes and like maybe that's normal yeah i don't know we we had this later in our agenda but i i'm gonna pull this up here it's a good because you mentioned you mentioned who he's hanging out with and i could tell you who's there he's got all of his family which is a lot this is kind of good um isaac wilson I had to go through all of the Wilson brothers. Isaac Wilson is the soon-to-be sophomore quarterback at Corner Canyon High School that people are starting to talk about now. He's there. I mean, obviously, Zach's brother and Zach's entire family is there. But so is Kalani and Aaron Roderick and Fessy Satake. They were also invited to go hang out with the Wilsons at their pre-draft party and then the draft party uh, tomorrow night. So that's kind of like free recruiting. Like, I, I don't know what more... You know, Kalani and co have to do to convince the the Wilsons that hey they can help their kid succeed at the quarterback position at Provo like if Zach isn't proof of hey come to BYU and you can do anything right I don't know what is but you know they're building an early relationship now so that's cool but Jeff Grimes is not there I, I do think that- I don't I don't know if that's normal or not like I know he's not a BYU coach anymore right But he has no ties to Baylor. Like there's no one in Baylor's draft class this year that he's like, oh, I need to go support this kid because I coached him up. None of that. And Jeff Grimes, now it it is – it was Aaron Roderick. It was a lot of Fessy, and it was mostly Kalani who ended up getting Zach to BYU, right? Like post Ty Detmer, post Zadok Dinkelman, all that nonsense. It was Kalani, Fessy, and A-Rod who were the biggest influencers in bringing Zach to BYU. But that doesn't happen without Jeff Grimes. And frankly, for the last three years, the story has been that it's the Jeff Grimes offense that Zach has been playing in. Is that weird that Jeff Grimes wasn't invited? I think it is a little bit. I mean, I don't don't know. Maybe there's – I mean, I don't feel like there should be any, like, hard feelings that Jeff Grimes took a bigger job. Right. Because I mean no, obviously, because not. because A-rod and Fessy both got promotions, so they're not well, upset and, that he left. And, and and if BYU goes out and does well this year, then you can bet that A-rod's taking a bigger job. Like that's right. just and, what's gonna happen. Well, and obviously it's like he did his time and left. Like three of the guys in the draft that we have left early. And it's like they said, right. Oh, my time is up. I did what I need to do. Thank you for you know being what you I needed you to be. See you later. And that's you know, is what it is. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think it's really, I think it's a little weird to me. I don't think it's, it's all about normal. It's not a non-story. How about that? Like, I know, I don't know if it's a story, but I know it's not a non-story. Yes. And is, maybe there's some gray area there. I don't know. You know what is my favorite story, though? And this is now jumping back to our, uh, our agenda and the order that it should have been. Jeff Grimes v Aaron Roderick. Okay, they weren't really opposing each other, but that was kind of fun. That was the Twitter debate. Right. So. Like that's been a debate and and here we are now on draft weekend and it still kind of could be a debate like hey, Roderick showed up, Grimes didn't, whatever. Right. But the battle that I maybe am the most excited to watch in the coming months is potentially a matchup for the governor of California as they go with the uh, the recall election to try to get Gavin Newsom out of office. One, Caitlyn Jenner has announced that she will be running. Caitlyn Jenner, the athlete formerly known as Bruce Jenner, is going to be running for governor. And a potential opponent is none other, potentially, none other than Cousin Eddie himself, Uncle Eddie, Cousin Eddie, whatever his name is, Randy Quaid. Uh, what a world we live in randy quaid like the guy who's wearing the floppy hat and emptying the shitter because the shitter's full is potentially running for governor against the former olympian bruce jenner turned caitlin jenner after a successful bout of Uh, celebrityism on keeping up with the Kardashians. And if that is not California in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Did you know that Randy Quaid and his wife fled to Canada in 2010 after being charged with vandalism and squatting in a Santa Barbara property? The couple denied the charges, claiming the property still owed to them. And then at one point they were brought back and were held as fugitives from justice in vermont and then were released so this is like a five-year-long ordeal so that's like one of his big campaign platforms is that he is going to be running uh in an effort to clean up prosecutorial corruption so like of course he's gonna use his own personal experience there but if that's your platform I don't know. That doesn't really feel like that's going to get you elected, especially when you're going up with a pseudo Kardashian. But I mean, what do I know? I, California does weird things. So maybe. Yeah, I don't. That's California's if- strange. I did think it was hilarious that uh, Gavin Newsom when he tweeted out some video about how the uh, recall election, the recall movement or whatever was undemocratic. And I'm like, it's literally people getting a signature. So that is like people voicing their opinion. That's like the definition of, you know, democracy, it does, it does right? Like democratic. it's, and if it's not that big of a deal, then you'll just get enough votes again to win. And that's no big problem. So whatever, but. If the- California, if liberal California, and this is not a political show, this is not a poli sci class, but if liberal California elects Caitlyn Jenner and, or Randy Quaid, then is it possible that they are – is that the most preposterous um, election win ever? Like Donald Trump being Donald Trump and like the the apprentice star becoming president of the United States. Like that was bananas, right? Like what a crazy story. Well, if they take Cousin Eddie, Uncle Eddie – what is his name? What do they call him on on National Lampoons? It's Um,
1: Cousin Eddie, right? Yeah, it's
0: Cousin Eddie. Uh would I mean if if he gets elected as governor, that's got to be the most insane election result of all time. I don't know. So we'll, like, it feels like like it is so close to Ben Wyatt becoming the 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 mayor, the mayor of, the of ice Town. Of <laughs> yeah, like 18? it's it's right there in that terms of like it feels like a sitcom, but this would be real life. Yeah, I don't. No, well, I'd be interesting to see like what Caitlyn Jenner's platform is because I feel like she's a pretty, uh, like, pretty imagine... right-leaning Republican. Right, that's what I remember. Like Bruce Jenner being and people talking about it being a big thing, but I don't know with her, you know, kind of the path that her life has taken if she's kind of how her opinions have changed over the years yeah, or whatever. Because so, she she never talks about politics all that much. I right? had this. I had this exact same question, and basically. Uh, outside of LGBTQ rights, like most of her belief system or political belief system, would fall in line with a traditional right-leaning Republican right now. Outside of LGBTQ stuff, for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, I yeah, that'd be that be which honestly, like that's a little bit of me, right? Like I probably lean right, although I mock right more than I mock left. I probably uh, I'm, an, right. I'm an equal opportunity opportunity <laughs> hater um but like social issues i'm probably a little bit more left-leaning than i am right-leaning and i don't know so maybe maybe caitlin jenner that's the that's the governor for me i don't know i mean i don't know but if you're not that hard to not be a jerk to people like it's well right like it's yeah but and if there is any consolation to all of this chaos that is becoming American politics, Elon Musk is preparing a way that you can go to Mars. Dude, I, the but, number of times in the last like year I have said, get me off this planet. Thank oh, you, yeah. Elon. I'm ready. I don't want to be the first one because, as you put here, Mars is cool, but you'll die. Well, yeah, I mean, There's a, the, there's a big caveat here. Elon Musk wants to send you to Mars. And he says that the trip to Mars and that your experience on Mars will be glorious, is the exact word that he used. Glorious. But, and there's a caveat, there's going to be a lot of people who die. Whether that's en route to Mars or once they arrive at Mars, there will be a lot of people who die. And I appreciate his candor because he's right. We've never been to Mars. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot of weird things that we don't know about and people are going to die. Uh, But it was one of my favorite, uh, I guess, headlines, titles of an article this week. Elon Musk, trips to Mars will be glorious, but many people will die. I appreciate the realism, which is kind of ironic because Elon also believes that we are living in a – is he one of the ones that he believes we're living in a simulation? He's mentioned that it's a possibility. I don't know that he has ever – stated what his real belief is but he's definitely explored the theory yeah. interesting i i have you ever thought or given much thought we're in way off the path here but this is what i happens love it. when you introduce elon into things have you ever thought about the idea of living in a simulation like you oh did i think about me. it all the time i watched a series of tiktok videos and it started to really freak me out all right did, bear, bear with me I, well i'll let you you brought on, it up. I, i'm just gonna say i Do not, and actually, I never thought about this until I was in a, also saw a TikTok, someone talking about it because of Pi, which I guess is really, I mean, Pi is actually, I guess it's really the fraction one over seven because Mm -hmm. whatever, because Pi is 22 sevenths. Um, The fact that one of the fractions, like one over seven or Pi has no, like it just goes forever with no repeating segments or anything is proof that we are not living in a simulation because if it was in a simulation, the massive computer running everything would be able to calculate the end of it. Like it would say like, if it was in a computer, like, cause if it's in a computer, yeah. you have a set, like any database, right? Like you have a set max value of like, this is the only, this is like, you can only fit a finite amount of data in one thing. And so, sticking in this number to have it go forever and never be repeating and never get cut off and never, you know, say like whatever is proof that we cannot be living in a simulation. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Here is my, what my TikTok was. That actually doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm sitting and here uh, working through that in my head. As of, I just Googled and uh, there was, the last thing they have now calculated pi out to 31.4 trillion digits still no repeating no anything that's so weird so is pi is, e- is strange so I really either we are not living it we are not living in a simulation or the simulation has picked the fraction 1 over 7 and said this is going to be a random number well it can't, it's not random because it doesn't change every time we try to calculate pi <laughs> so it's just ongoing forever and ever and ever. Hey, man, I don't know. Pi's weird, and you mathematicians that like think about pi is strange to me. Uh, here is was my TikTok tangent of the week, which maybe needs to be a, a weekly segment. Is just our TikTok tangents of the week, but it it was a something that seems like a, a you know a seemingly innocent thought. That the more you think about it, just absolutely is like mind boggling. And the guy said, the size of things. So think about this, right? Think about if I told you to find an ant, if the entire world was uninhabited, there is no living creature, and I place one ant somewhere on the world, and then I come to you and I say, hey, here's Earth, go find that ant you're never going to find that ant, right? Like right. ever, you will never find that ant. Well, when you start looking at size relative to the other things that science says that we know, right? Like the earth compared to the sun, the sun is enormous, right? Mm-hmm. Like the sun is, is way, way bigger than the earth. Well, now that ant is tiny, tiny, tiny. And you take the sun, and the sun is one of the smaller stars that are, are known out there in the galaxy, right? And so, if you if you go and you say UY Scooty, that's the biggest known star. It's like what is it? I'm, I'm googling it now. It's 1,700 times larger than the sun, right? So you're getting out. You're almost to the point that it's like here. I'm going to place Earth on UY Scooty, and you go and find earth and you're almost to the same of like well earth is going to be impossible to find and that star that is 1700 times bigger than the sun it's going to be like finding an ant on the earth it's crazy and so then this guy he starts to take it back to the big bang theory and he starts to, like, look at all the different galaxies and how we know there are multiple galaxies, or at least they say, right? There's multiple galaxies. Keep the religious side. I, I could see your brain working because we all kind of know the religious side here. Take that away for a minute. And you have all these galaxies that are around you, right? And now he he starts talking about the Big Bang Theory. And the, the Big Bang Theory, while it says Big Bang, right, and it's like this whatever – The idea behind the Big Bang Theory is that one of these big giant galaxies, like something just went askew and something was created. And he says, well, think about this. Like, how could that just happen in this world or in this galaxy, this universe, whatever of this nothingness? How does something random happen? And then he brings it all the way back to us. And he says, well, what makes you move your hand or move your finger? It's like, Well, I don't know, right? Like my own thought, my own electric impulses that make me say, now I'm going to move my hand up. Like it's random. It's like seemingly nothing. And his theory was that maybe there's something else out there that is making all of this randomness happen with the same thought process or the same logic, the same science, the same whatever that causes you to just move your hand up. And so then he starts to theorize that maybe we are our own galaxy and there's oh, things that's, that's inside twist. of us. Yeah. Twist. yeah, he takes it all the way back. So he grows us, he stretches us out super big and then he talks about what's happening and then he brings it all the way back around to say, well, maybe we're our own galaxy because the same randomness that causes you to move your arm up or whatever is the same randomness that supposedly created the, or caused the big bang that then created all of this? All of that came to his mind because of the size of things. I did eat a couple of mushrooms before he started talking about the size. <laughs> yeah, of there, was, there was a real acid for sure. But the, if you think about it, wait, was this that one uh, Silicon Valley dude who got fired from his own company for doing acid at work? Did you, did you see that? I did see that. No, different guy, but okay. you know, similar frame of mind, I think. Okay, probably. Anyway, uh, the guy, it started out like it was supposed to be like a part two, like one of two. And I think he ended up going for like 24 different TikToks because he just kept going. And I watched <laughs> all of them. Oh Gosh, that was a late night. See, yeah, sometimes... It was weird. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, I don't I will take your word for it because I don't want to get sucked in. Now that I know there's 24, I'm not going down that <laughs> path. If it was one or two, maybe a three. But then... if I send it to you, you'll watch all 24. I don't I I know you. Uh, you I'll watch f- one of them and you'll you'll have to get to all 24. Gosh damn it, you're right. Um, but anyway, it is as we now circle back around to the very beginning of this great show of ours. It is draft week. The draft is tomorrow. Zach Wilson is gonna be a jet. There is that everyone has known that for months we have come around not only have we come around to the idea like if you told me six months ago oh zach wilson's gonna be a jet which pause i just want to point out we were the first people to be talking about zach wilson leaving early and being a first round potential first round draft pick and that was in our louisiana tech post game show three games into the season last year so we did pat pat us on the back for that because and i remember the conversation that it was like okay like if he's qb5 then it's gonna be a tough decision but if he can get up into like qb2 qb3 and we started comparing him to trey lance and all these guys um then it was like okay it's a no-brainer he's got to go if he's qb2 or qb3 well like let's just take a step back and let's look at things right trevor lawrence uh take zach wilson out of it trevor lawrence Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. If Zach would have not been universally rated above those four guys, and he was QB five, do you honestly think that he is is leaving early? If he is universally regarded as QB five, I think he is looking at next year's draft class that's gonna be headlined by like Keaton Slovis and Sam Howell. And Zach is coming back and he's going to go and potentially be the number one pick next year yeah but it's, everybody else saw what we saw and he became qb2 and here we are right and so but we were on the we were on the zach wilson draft chain very early like we were the uh, conductors of that train and not as, not as early you know, as dylan collie oh yeah i mean yeah dylan. Zach yeah well dylan Colley after the potato bowl in 2018 was like <laughs> said he's gonna be right byu great so that, I mean he didn't say when so, though he didn't say okay, after his junior okay. season he just said he would go down as a BYU great and so that yeah, is there um but I've come around like I mean I was like oh the Jets are horrible like it sucks so bad and then they hired Sale, and it's like okay new uh, new coordinators new GM then you look at them and you're like okay they've stockpiled a metric butt ton of picks in it's this a draft term um I mean, a buttload is an actual amount. So, yeah, we can. That is, that's the technical term, a metric butt ton. And, um, but I mean, yeah. So, looking at their picks, right, like they've got 22 or two, 23, 34, and then 66. So, really, so they've got two first rounders, their second rounder, and then, you know, the third rounder, and then the rest of their picks, like 86, whatever. And then they, in 2022, they also have. Uh, t- it's like 23 picks over the next two years. Yeah. So well, let me find this out to um, do. They've got their first rounder. They've got another first rounder from the Seahawks, a second round, and then like second, third, and a couple extra ones. And then they also added. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, they've got 12 next year. So they got another second and a fourth from trading Sam Darnold. So next year, they have two first-rounders and two second-rounders. This year, they have two first-rounders and a second-rounder. So they've got seven first- and second-round picks this year and next year. And if so I remember now, right, they have a bunch of cap space, too.
1: Yeah. Like, they so,
0: did not go nuts and signing free agents this year. Right. So the Jets, like, I'm now turning the corner to where it's like Baker Mayfield took the Browns to the playoffs because they were able to add a couple linemen you know, they went, and they got um, Nick Chubb, like got, you know, the, they can do some things. And then they had the cap space to go out and sign OBJ. And now I'm kind of like, are the Jets what the Browns were four years ago? And yeah, I mean, I, I could see it. And I think and I'm, I'm talking myself into the Jets being halfway decent and me buying a bunch of Jets crap and being a Jets fan. And I hate everything about New York. So I've already bought Jets crap, and I am a Jets fan. It has nothing to do with the success of the team. It has everything to do with Zach Wilson. But even more than that, as I started to dig into the gear, the Jets—it's a cool name. Green is a cool color. They got some pretty dope gear. They have their throwback stuff. That's that that Kelly green that looks but really cool. Color good. rush. They got to get color rush there. is bad. But they've got that Kelly green that looks good, and the technical that I learned this when I was on the Cool Your Jets podcast, which was a dope name for a podcast. That's pretty good. That the official name for the green, like the primary green that the Jets use, is Gotham Green. Mm, That they they regularly refer themselves to like Batman as like Batman's team because of Gotham. I mean. There's a lot of off-the-field, unnecessary reasons to love the Jets. And the other thing that I love that I, I think we have to steal – did we talk about this last week, that they end their show by saying don't let the Jets break, ruin your day? Yeah. Yeah, we, we got to steal that. The I mean, yeah, don't let the Cougars ruin your day. Um, I was going to say that, and I somehow missed this. It happened about a month ago. I didn't realize that the Jets non-tendered Harvey Longy. So that mm. i don't know why they're releasing him um you know because he finished with a career high in tackles last year he started six games for him was new kind new, of fine. New, new coaching staff yeah i mean it, it really must be well actually i guess one, two. he's he was off the end of his rookie deal so he was going to have to start making the veteran minimum so he's his if his price is going to double being a you know backup who can record like 50 tackles is not You know that that doesn't really, that doesn't move the needle much. You're very replaceable. Um. So yeah, the Jets get. What time is the draft tomorrow? And it starts at. I don't know. I took the day off. Oh wow, that's dedication. Um. Yeah. So to do the draft starts at eight p.m. Eastern. So that's six Mountain, five for those of us who are uh, currently aligned with the Pacific time zone because I'm in the Mountain Time Zone, but I'm currently aligned with the Pacific Time Zone. Uh, Actually, the Pacific Time Zone is aligned with us because we're not changing. So we'll go with that. Uh, So tomorrow, 5, 6, 7, or 8 o'clock, depending where you are listening from. I don't know. Actually, I think we do have a couple of listeners in Alaska and Hawaii, so you do your own math. Um, But it's, I mean, it will be fun. All the BYU coverage that you want to see will be over 30 minutes into it because it's they're going to, well, maybe like an hour into it actually because it's going to go they're going to do some intro thing and then they'll get up there and then they'll have the jaguars and then they'll be talking about everyone even though everyone knows it's going to happen and then they'll pick trevor lawrence they'll talk about him for 20 minutes and they'll pick zach wilson and they'll talk for another 20 minutes and we go on our way how awful is it i don't know man like i i think of trevor lawrence he's the number one pick which is great The reward for being the best college football player is you have to go live in Jacksonville. It's how awful. There's a lot of cool places in Florida that are like destinations. Jacksonville is not one of them. Well, the, the thing that sucks with like Jacksonville and even the Panthers are the same way in Charlotte. It's like the Jaguars and the Panthers, their logo. It's like so very corporate 90s like you know when they were talking mm-hmm. about like the the European like Super League or whatever, and they're talking about like oh if there would be a college football like Super League, what would it be? And like, like it's it was very suit ish, right? Like yeah. it was not. Yeah. There's no passion. Well, it's, I mean, I guess there is now because everyone lo- like people in the Carolinas they love the Panthers, and it, they're like one of the most highly attended franchises. Um, but they, it's like. It's so just the logos, everything about the Jaguars and the Panthers is we are forcing this onto you in the nineties. So we yeah. think, we think fierce cats are <laughs> super edgy and that's going to be our thing. I just look at Jacksonville and it's like, what do you think of Florida? You think of Miami, you think of Orlando, you might even think of like Tampa, right? Tampa Bay or West Palm beach. Jacksonville is basically South Georgia. when you think of South Georgia, you think of hillbillies, you think of rednecks, you think of Jeff Foxworthy, like Jacksonville is technically in Florida. So you get the benefits of no income tax and of, uh, uh, you know, their loose COVID restrictions. But outside of that, Jacksonville is as redneck as Southern Georgia. Well, I mean, yeah, Jacksonville itself is how far is it from the It's like 50 miles, like it's not far, George. Georgia Jackson is 35 miles to the closest town across the border. Yeah, Jacksonville sucks. And you're right, the Jaguars they've got just awful uniforms, they've got an awful color scheme. They've got Urban Myers, their head coach, which might be a home run, but. Uh, wh- who was? I mean, was Jimmy Johnson really the last like successful college coach to that that went on and had success in the NFL? I can't think of anybody else. I uh, Pete Carroll, if you count that, but he was, I, a, yeah, I he guess, was an NFL he, coach first. Yeah, in college, and that's what I view. He, he was an NFL coach that that went back to the NFL after being relegated to college. Like he wasn't a. It, it was different than Urban Meyer. Like Urban Meyer's a college coach through and through. So right. I don't know, man, and and Trevor Lawrence, it's like, uh, it's a little. Maybe it's because I watched Draft Day tonight, and Bo Callahan is on my mind. But Trevor Lawrence, some of the things that have come out lately, that like, he doesn't really care about winning. He doesn't. He says he doesn't. It's not about winning a Super Bowl for him. It's about you know going out and being his best. Like they're politically correct things to say, but like it's a little bit soft. And I look at a guy like Zach that it's like, no, like it's about winning at all costs. Zach's going to thrive in the New York market. Yeah. I think his attitude is a good fit there. The thing that I do not get and absolutely do not understand whatsoever about this draft is why the 49ers traded up to the third pick to take Mac freaking Jones uh like if you wanted fields that's fine right like fields you think i don't know like you're talking to four and five you don't know where he's gonna drop you want to get to three because you think someone else might move up and take him whatever but it's like they could have stayed at 12 and gotten mac jones because ain't no one out of the top five cares about mac jones and they don't need a quarterback they got other problems i'm a bigger mac jones fan than the general consensus is i i just (laughs) i don't get it he had every weapon in the world at, at Alabama, and he probably would have, I don't know. I The, the NFL is so weird with their infatuation with quarterbacks. Like maybe he wouldn't have been there at 12. I think he would have been, so I agree with you. But I actually don't mind him at three. Like I, I kind of like Mac Jones. Like the dude was just a gamer. Like he goes out, and when you watch him throw to, you know, Devontae Smith and to Jalen Waddle and to these soon to be top end of the first round wide receivers. They're not making like crazy highlight reel catches to make up for Mac Jones's deficiencies. Like he's he's putting the ball where it needs to be. He looked worlds better than Tua Tagovailoa did in that same Alabama offense two years ago. And, and Tua went what, like six, seven to the Dolphins? Yeah, and Tua it's now seeming like is going to be a bust. Like people are not high on Tua after how he right. played last year. Right. So I look at Mac, like from what we hear, you know, he's uber smart uh, and I think you kind of have to be pretty smart and quick to process that Steve Sarkeesian offense. So I kind of like Mac Jones, but I, the, the thought process and the logic that led San Francisco to go from 12 to three in, in an effort to get Mac Jones is a little bit surprising. I'm with you on that because it sure feels like Mac Jones probably would have been there at 12. And if not 12, maybe nine, you know, maybe you make a trade with the Broncos or something and you have to give up right. less. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm they gave up so
0: much, but uh, I mean, this is also apparently coming out tonight says what I've been told, this is from uh, Dale Arnold um, who is a Boston reporter. Um, he covers the Bruins. And so he's a hockey guy, but he's in Boston. He says, what I've been told by a reliable source, the Patriots are working on a new contract for Jimmy Garoppolo that would lead to a deal with the 49ers. The same source also told me that Ty and Brady had signed with the Buccaneers. Doesn't mean it will get done, but they are reportedly working on it. So if they somehow sign him, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe the 49ers, like, I guess they're going to send garoppolo there maybe get another couple picks if they can somehow move back a little bit because if if they want i just don't see like between like trey lance or mac jones to me it's like those are the same i don't see really the big hype in either one of them it's just kind of like they're both there i don't think either of them are going to be a slam dunk i don't think either of them them going to be a bust like they are like both of them are rex grossman Right. So like I it's look just, at Mac Jones. It's like and I, they're like a first round draft pick, but it's nothing like, oh yes, like they're gonna be the franchise. Like to me, neither of them have the potential, like a Lawrence Fields or Wilson to be like franchise QB, like completely take out like change the face and be the face of your team for the next decade. Neither of them have I, it. they're just like they're there to me. I, I look at Mac Jones and I think Ryan Tannehill and Tannehill's great for the titans like Tannehill kind of sucked when he was with uh, the dolphins but he was great for he's absolutely great for the titans and i okay. think back jones is there but, but I will you're give right you that i will give Mac you that jones, but i think it's going to be dolphins Tannehill and take him a decade to figure out that could be yeah that could be it i wonder your 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 tweet that you just read about the patriots and garoppolo um From what I've seen, and again, we're not NFL insiders. Like we're just read stuff the same way everybody else does. If the Niners get a first-round pick out of Garoppolo, and they trade up to get to whatever, I think that uh, you know maybe they get the Patriots' first-round pick at 15. I mean, I don't think I know that seems crazy, but I think that Garoppolo is better than Darnold and darnold netted a second and a fourth yeah i mean there's no way they're getting a first rounder for garoppolo what did what did what did it? uh was has off and stafford was that just a straight up deal or were there picks involved there there were there were picks involved uh, yeah. that was also a go- weird what a weird long offseason It's weird. I don't know. We're way Um, off track. Let's see. Breaking. Here we go. To do Jared Goff, Matt Stafford trade. Oh, um, let's see. The Rams are sending the lion their first round pick in 2022 and 2023 that been known as the third round pick. That was still the question. So, um, so Detroit traded Matthew Stafford and is getting Jared Goff a the Rams first rounder in 2020 or a third rounder in 21 a first rounder in 22 and a first rounder in 23
1: that's okay. a hell of a trade
0: for detroit right. so so here's so here's where you're at right like if you're john lynch of the 49ers jimmy g is not matthew stafford like nobody's going to pretend that he is right but jimmy g he's like 24 and 8 is a starter and he did take the 49ers to a super bowl that they lost, but that they arguably should have won against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. Maybe you squeeze one pick out of, like, hey, I just want 1-1, one, one, and we'll give you Garoppolo right now. I mean, they may need to say, like, we'll give you Garoppolo in a third or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something weird. I right? mean, they they can flip something out of – I mean, yeah, they can flip what some of the other – I mean, I don't know how much they have to work with since they – I don't know either. This isn't an NFL breakdown show, but it's the NFL draft, folks. So just get used to it because that's what everybody's going to be talking about over the next few days. We do have some BYU-related draft news. Like the Cougars have a lot of guys, six, seven, and, you know, eight guys potentially that could be drafted. Uh, PFF, our friends at Pro Football Focus, we love Pro Football Focus here at this show, Uh, They did a mock draft earlier this week with all of their senior analysts. So it was the four like, highest paid, biggest influential whatever PFF guys that did a kind of a round-robin mock draft where each of these four guys selected every fourth pick or every fifth, whatever. And there were seven Cougars that went in that draft. NFL.com. That's a lot. lot, It's a ton. NFL.com did one today. And there were seven Cougars that were selected in that mock draft. The difference being, okay, so the six that went in both drafts, Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, Dax Milne, Kyra Stonga, Matt Bushman, and Chandon Herring were selected in both of those mock drafts. PFF went with uh, Tristan Hodge as a late seventh round pick, and NFL.com went with Chris Wilcox as a seventh round pick. Either way, those eight guys like legitimately have a case to be made that they could be drafted this weekend, which is huge. So a couple of prop bets that we have that are going to be BYU-related prop bets that we're not paying any money, we have no odds, we're just doing it for funsies here on this show. Over under four and a half BYU Cougars drafted this weekend. Over. (laughs) I think it's over. I, I really toyed with going five and a half but five and a half feels like a really easy under. I yeah. think five is the number. I think five is the number. Cause I think we definitely see Wilson. We definitely yep. see Christensen. And then, I mean, then it's like, we need three more. but there's a, a large like smattering of guys that I could come from. Right. Like it's, I could see herring could be because of his body and his potential could be a late round grab. Right. It's, you know, Tonga, he was really strong, but had some other issues, right? It's like he being right right down, Chris Wilcox running as fast as he did. Like, you know, he could, he did really well for himself. Dax Milne, I think is surprisingly sneaking up. I would say he's probably the third most likely actually, or yeah. Third, most likely to get drafted as Milne, the Bushman. So I think five, I mean, it's like, I would be surprised at two any three or four would not shock me, but I think the number is five and above five. I would kind of be like really surprised. Yeah. I think five is the number. I I could go six and feel pretty good about it. Uh, Five is probably the safer bet. I think Dax is a lock. I think Dax is a lock in like the fourth or fifth round. I think he's going to go higher than a lot of people realize when people see wide receiver numbers, when they look, at the 40 they see the four three guys right like that's what people think of okay well the bulk of the receivers in the nfl aren't four three guys the bulk of receivers in the nfl are four five four six guys they're not all tyree Hill out there running four twos right like they're they're mostly possession receivers i look at dax milne as a guy who is going to fill out a wide receiver room. Like he is going to be wide receiver four on a team and he's going to have success. He's going to stick. And there's value in those guys. So I think Dax Milne is a lock. I think Kyris Tonga is a lock NFL teams that are just looking for bodies to plug in. uh, He, they fall in love with a body like Kyris Tonga. Like he has all the physical tools to be great. It's similar to Chandon Herring, right? Yeah, Like you love the body. And that that's my next one. Like Channon Herring, I think is as close to a lock as you can get for a guy who's getting no love. And it is because of how versatile he is. The NFL isn't college, right? You only get 53 guys on an active roster, and there are offensive linemen that get hurt each week. If you can have a guy that is is six-eight, like Chandon Herring, and that has film at the college level playing four out of five offensive line positions, and you can have that kind of a player on the back end of your offensive line roster, that's incredibly valuable because you don't have to have a backup interior lineman and a backup outside lineman because you have a guy like Chandon Herring that could potentially fill in at either role. That's yeah. value. So I think he goes, and I think Bushman goes, I, I think he showed enough to prove that he's helping. I think it, it's really hard to tell, um, especially like on those back. end. like, once you get to the sixth and seventh round, it's really a crap shoot because like, especially yeah. the seventh round, it's like the only, right. It's like the difference between, a seventh round, like in almost a lot of ways, it's better to be undrafted than to be a seventh round pick, because if you're undrafted, you're going to get to pick a few options and you're going to get at least some money, people throwing money your way to try to get you. Whereas like, if you're a seventh rounder, like you're locked in, right? Like it's, that's it. And you're getting what you're getting and whatever, like it's, you know, when Harvey Long, he signed with the Patriots, right? He was, he got like a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus and was like the highest paid undrafted free agent. Cause the Patriots really wanted him. And so, but if he was a seventh rounder, they wouldn't have to do that. It's like in baseball, right? Like if you get drafted your senior year out of college, you're not getting slot money because you have no other choice. Right? right. It's like, and so they, you have no leverage in anything as a seventh rounder. And so it's, um, it's, it's hard and, you know, kind of just looking at like, Hey, who, you know, do they want to take a flyer? And, you know, to some extent it's like, that cuts both ways right because it's you you know say like you said it's like hey take a flyer on enchanted hearing because you want the body and so you can get that in the sixth or seventh round or you say like yeah we want something a little more sure like if we're going to take a project we'll just get him you know get it later because we want something that we can definitely you know kind of hone in on home in on and so um i don't know i think i think five is the number though I hope it's seven. I hope it's eight. I, you know, maybe Troy Warner sneaks in. I hope it's nine. Like, I would love to see all of these dudes get drafted, but I think five is the number. Uh, next one in our little list of prop bets here. Dax Milne, does he go in the fourth round or earlier or fifth round or later? Fifth or later. I think he goes in the fifth round. See, and I actually, PFF had, has Dax as a third round draft. Which is high for me. That, yeah. I don't think he goes in the third round. I think he, Dax Milne said, as soon as he declared, he thought he'd go in the fourth round. And PFF has him in the third round. His numbers aren't going to help him skyrocket up draft boards, but they didn't cause him to fall. I think Dax Milne goes in the fourth round. I think he is firmly in the fourth round. Okay. I, 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 I mean... I just I see him being an early, first round. Pick right like it's I don't know I. It's hard for me, it's hard for me to really say, but I just I, I hope he does because that would be awesome, but uh, I you know so, I, I, I it would be great, but I just I don't see him. Like to me, it's like Austin Collie was drafted in the fourth round. And I do not see in my mind, I cannot see Dax Mill and Austin Collie as equal pro prospects. I, I That's reasonable. So, all right. So I want to do something here. Receiving yards in 2020 in the NFL, the top of the list. Okay. So you got guys like Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, Ridley, Adams, Metcalf, Tyreek Hill. Like you've got the guys that are studs. So let's go down here. If we go down to the 20th guy, the 20th receiver, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 19, 20. Okay, the 20th wide receiver, Cole Beasley was wide receiver 20 in the NFL last year. Are you telling me that Dax Milne can't be Cole Beasley? Because absolutely, he could be Cole Beasley. Behind him, Robert Woods. Absolutely, he can be Robert Woods. Adam Thielen. Absolutely he can be Adam Thielen. Nelson Aguilar. Absolutely, Dax Mill could be Nelson Aguilar. I don't know See, if he could be Nelson Aguilar, but I, yeah, as, I as you start going down the list, the the names become a lot more pedestrian. Like Nelson Aguilar outside of a decent year last year, it's been pretty meh for his entire career. Right, Like he's had great moments and then absolutely fallen off the map. Uh, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry. Like these are guys that some of them were big names at one point, but by and large, they're pretty meh wide receivers. Like they're guys that you don't think of as top flight wide receivers anymore. T.Y. Hilton, like he's on this list. Darius Slayton, Tim Patrick. Like there's a lot of guys here. I think Dax Milne, like there's a ton of value in these guys, right? Like there's a ton of value in a Jarvis Landry or in a Tyler Boyd, in a Nelson Agar, in an Adam Thielen. There's a ton of value. I think this is where Dax Milne fits. And I think if you can get a guy who produces like a Devonte Parker, who's also kind of in the mix here or produces like a Tim Patrick for the Broncos, uh, or emmanuel sanders who i think he played with the saints last year if you can get a guy that produces like that and you can get him on a rookie contract in the fourth round but the nfl i think really likes that so I, yeah i think dax milne goes in the fourth round yeah i mean you're talking me into it but um so the actually going back um just as I've been kind of sitting here and had a couple conversations with some people, I think that back to our quarterback conversation, I think Trey Lance is going to go to the 49ers and they're going to take Trey Lance over Mac Jones. That was my pick. And I did a, uh, with, with a buddy of mine because I learned this week that Matt, Mel Kuyper, this is what I've been. I, I was told this by a hashtag source. Oh, uh, so We're bringing hashtag sources to this. Mel Kuyper Jr. went six out of thirty-two last year on his first-round mock draft. You mean, well, of like actual nailing picks, right? Like it's of of, yeah, not even to the team, just pick number, like overall pick number. uh, He got six right. Oh yeah, because it's very hard. Because like it's, I wonder if you went and looked at just like how many first-rounders. Like, shuffle them up is like how many out of 32, just period. Whether the, it's like, you oh, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if I'm, yeah, six, honestly, that's kind of impressive. Like, picking exact numbers and not like up one or down one because teams trade or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. Once there's it's a couple tough. trades, everything is thrown off. But for funsies, I'm into that word this week. For funsies, I just did my own mock draft with just a friend of mine. And uh, I want to see if I, can get six like obviously i have the benefit of, of mel Kuiper's work and he, he doesn't right like he has to do the work i have the benefit of you know todd mcshay who todd mcshay i am convinced does not watch film outside of the first round no because like he I has think brady you watch his film. i don't think you watch his film outside the first 10 picks todd mcshay has brady christensen as his number 238 prospect like that that's a, you you have not watched film todd mcshay did you know how todd mcshay got his come up i assume he's related to somebody no todd mcshay was once on boston radio at a night radio show with one dave portnoy in the early days of barstool the paper what that's where McShay Wild. came from that is where Todd. But McShay... he's like so uptight and annoying he's like the opposite yeah, i don't I don't know how it happened, but uh, McShay sold out, went to ESPN, and I works for the Mothership, and Dave Portnoy is Dave Portnoy, who we all know today. But they had some sort of a show. Anyway, wild. Um, McShay was 7 out of 32 last year. Uh, what's his name? Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network was 9 out of 32 last year. And I feel like <laughs> – I don't know. Like, I don't know what the barometer is here, but I feel like if you are investing as much time and energy into the first round of the NFL draft, you should get more than six. I think you should get, like, it's hard. I get it because teams do trade up. You're right. And every time you miss one pick, you're automatically off on two, right? But if your Mel Kiper teams are talking to you, right? Like, you know, you got to know people. It's like, you're not just like, all everybody else, we're just looking at straight like needs. Like, okay, they need this. They need this. This is what, yeah. whatever. These and guys, Mel Kiper Jr., like these like big time NFL draft dudes. I I think there's a legitimate case that they have more information and data available to them about who's gonna do what in the draft than the NFL teams themselves do. Because the NFL teams, like the the 49ers know exactly what the 49ers want to do, but they don't have any idea what the Washington football team wants to do. They're guessing just like everybody else. But Mel Kuyper Jr., these big-time NFL draft pundits, they have, I think, a a lot of information about every team. So I think that six out of 32, I thought that was kind of – like it's impressive for just any random Joe, but I feel like for Mel Kuyper Jr., that's incredibly disappointing. So I did my own. I, I want to see if I get better than six. And I had, God, I went back and forth. I end up having Trey Lance. I, I, I pulled it up. I have Mac Jones third because I was too scared to be bold and go with Trey Lance. But I do think Trey Lance fits better in San Francisco. But if the Niners are going to trade Garoppolo, I don't see them taking Trey Lance. Because Trey Lance needs some time. The dude has only played or he has only thrown three hundred and nineteen total passes since high school. Yeah, I mean, I don't does Shanahan need time? Does he care about time though? Does Lance care point. about time? I don't know. I mean it's That's if Shanahan point. is the, the genius wizard, right? Then it doesn't really matter. it's um, true. But that you know, I don't know that I I could probably you could, you'll probably beat six. I couldn't, I don't think I could beat six just because I haven't paid attention. Like, you know, like I haven't paid attention to like what do the Ravens need and pick 17, right? Like, I haven't right into the Ravens. I don't care about the Ravens. And yeah, so I really only know as far as my fantasy football team is concerned. Right. Um, so we have one more, our last uh, prop bet here. How high will Brady Christensen go over or under 75th pick? Under. And that he will be gone before seventy-five. Yes, I I got Brady as a second round. I think he's a late second round, like maybe so seventy-five would be basically smack dab of the third round. And the, I think he, I think at worst, he probably I would be surprised if he goes like if the Jets pick him with their second round pick at sixty-six. Right. Like yeah, it's, I, it's, he's going to go in that, like he's going to go in the 60 to 70 range. That's where I, I guess that, I guess that'd be their third round pick at 66. Like their second round pick would be like, I think he's going to go in like the 60 to 70 range, which would be tail end of the second round, front yeah. half of the, front half of the first. Of, of the, the third. third. Yeah. That's, that, that's where I've got him. I, I think that a team, I think NFL teams are smarter than these NFL draft guys that are still calling Brady Christensen unathletic. I think that people who actually get paid to do this for a living and their jobs depend on them being good at it, not just being entertaining. They know that that is just categorically false. And that Brady Christian is not only is he athletic, he's pretty elite when it comes to athleticism. Yeah. The only thing that might see him drop is you kind of get like a a game of chicken coming down right like it's a kind of a staring contest of Mm -hmm. nobody's talking about brady christensen do can we get it like we've got a compensation pick in the third round 10 picks from now do you can we do you think we can let can we get this other guy now who we don't think will be there by then and will brady christensen still be there like it's it's he's the mind games pick Mm -hmm. of what are you hearing who's you know what's going on whatever um and so yeah, but I definitely I think we're both in agreement with that one. The under Brady Christensen will go before pick number 75. Yeah, I um, agree. And I will even, you know, I'll I'll bump that up to 75 and a half. So if he goes at 75, you know, we'll still mm, get yeah, okay. 75 and a half. Um, but other football news, uh, Tom Homer released a video today and there's a new locker room renovation. Um, so this is something and he explained this is something I've noticed that he did with the announcement on the scoreboard, new scoreboard. And then he announced it with this, which the, um, and the locker room, I mean, the scoreboard and the locker room, those are not the only things that are in the works, um, from what we have been told uh, from talking to different people that there's kind of a, like a master plan. I don't know if it'll be presented as a master plan, which some schools do, but I think it'll just be kind of a trickling out of like over the next year to two years, we're going to see a lot of renovations at a lot of different, um, a lot of different facilities just because things are due for a refresh. Mm -hmm. But Tom Homo was very quick to explain and point out that this was not like from the all-in, like the all-in budget for shortfall, we need you to give us all this money was not just dumped into, oh, we're going to do a locker room, drop 10 million of it on a locker room renovation, right? Like that was, the locker room renovation was put in to like when they built the SAB, they created an endowment. And when and so the money from this, you know, it's an in, the money from the endowment and all a lot of those original donors um, is what provides the money now to all the upkeep of the building and then also the renovation when the time is due. And that is how every building on campus is handled I don't know, like people know is that, that so- normal across college football or is that unique to BYU? it's not normal at all. And it's the way BYU should be like, so other schools, they either have enough money that they just, you know, call up a bunch of donors and say, Hey, we want to build this building. Okay. We it to us, boom, done, whatever. And then, but they don't set up, like, I don't think they don't set up the endowment the same way of like, this needs to be a self-sustaining project of we're not going to, every time we do something, be calling up and say, Hey, we need more money. Hey, we need more money. That's not the way BYU operates. And so, and then other schools, uh, they just have a bunch of debt, like Cal, has a 120 year mortgage on their football stadium that is built over a fault line. And if there's an earthquake, literally their stadium will crack in half. So, I mean, that's what other schools do. And, but you know, BYU being the fiscally prudent school that they are, um, they are, you know, doing it seven. So that's the same way with like a few years ago, there was the life science building was built on campus. They recruited, you know, they raised up funding for that, whatever, Once they like, they do no debt. Other schools will do debt. BYU, the church, like no debt. That's not, that's not how they do things. The building has to be there to be paid for in cash. And even the university does not provide no longer. The BYU does not provide any money from general, like, funds of the school which is another reason tuition is so cheap where other schools they're charging up tuition because like we want to build the biggest and brightest thing because the campus itself becomes a marketing tool of how they're trying like the business of you got to have more students coming to keep the money coming in um where byu the school like tuition doesn't pay for buildings the way it's done byu is they get donors and donors have to donate enough money to build the new building and then fund the maintenance in an endowment. So there's money set aside and it's like, okay, you know, in the, I don't know if the university has its own investment coordinator or if they just kind of lump it all in, like if Enzyme Capital kind of manages it the same way that with the rest of the church stuff, whatever, but they, it's like earmarked of like, here's the endowment fund to maintain this building. And we built the SAB there's money for the SAB when it needs to be renovated. It will be because this endowment has returned enough, to pay for that renovation and the ongoing uptake. And so that's how it is with like the life science building, when they're building the new engineering building, it's all of those things are completely privately donated, paid for in full with an endowment set up to fund the ongoing maintenance and renovations of it. And if they need to do like a complete, complete thing, then maybe there may be like another, you know, on, there may be another like fundraising campaign over the course of a few years to pay for, but everything is fronted. And so it is, very fiscally sound and that's why when all else goes to hell BYU will probably will be the only university left that's not bankrupt <laughs> I mean that's why BYU is frustratingly slow in some of these upkeeps uh, relative to fan or even player expectations but uh slow is smooth as smooth is deadly yeah <laughs> S- sets them up for the future so that's good uh the last thing I really have here on the agenda um another basketball transfer went somewhere else i can't even remember his first name mike nuga out of kent state coming off an acl injury could be great bona fide scorer when he's healthy but he's tore his acl in like november so it's a little iffy when he'll come back uh but he doesn't really matter because he's going to unlv look there's so much talent in the transfer portal. It's like everybody just calm down
1: Yeah. No, stress it's not
0: if, if if we get to july and BYU still hasn't added anybody. Then let's panic. But until it's July, I'm not that worried. Yeah, it's there's still plenty of bodies. I think there's another list of like six or seven guys that they're talking to, and they're looking for something very specific. And there's something that there's no shortage of, right? It's there's plenty of guards that can play and can come in and fit in a system. Well, and they're they're trying to replace Brandon Averitt. Like that's the bare minimum, right? Replace Averitt's production of like what, seven points, three ass- or 11 points, three assists game. Maybe like, okay, that's a productive player, but the- we're not, we're not asking them to replace magic Johnson here. Like th- this can be done. So I'm not overly concerned and neither should you, neither should anybody. And with that, I mean, we have had a good show we'll wrap up here. The uh, you know, again, the draft is tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it is today. We've made it. We are halfway to the off season. Um, go check out, give them hell, We've got, uh, we've got a couple jets things for you, um, all ready to go. So once, uh, it is officially official, then we can, uh, you know, watch after all this, watch the jets are going to go out and the jets are going to pick Justin fields if, or something. And then if he is a nine Trey Lance, and then Zach falls to like seven to the Broncos who trade up for him or something. <laughs> if Zach isn't a jet, I've already got my shirt in mind that it will be whatever the team colors of the team who drafts him are. And it will just say, not a jet shirt. And that's all that it will say. There we go. And we will have that ready. We will have the editor open. And with each pick, just like if the just change that color, get it ready. Okay, do it again. We got 10 minutes to get this ready. Boom. Um, So keep an eye out for the draft and come join us over at Cougar Sports Insider. We had a lot of good discussion today. I actually need to go. Um, go back through. I got busy this afternoon and couldn't go back through our weekly mailbag. And it looks like there was some lively discussion about Bill Connolly's returning production numbers, which I need to go wade through. And yeah, good luck. And so I'm gonna go give that thread hell, Jeff. And until next week, give him hell. Give him hell.